about the Bible, and I know we do that every week, but I'm actually going to talk about the Bible today, and um, we're going to be looking at um, the, the longest psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible actually, Psalm 119, but I'm going to try and keep it short. So um, um, I was just waving to Robbie at the back there because I, I just set him a WhatsApp to see if we could put this up on the screens. Apparently we can, so that's good. So I don't know if you've been on the website, the Josh Jen website. Uh, it looks like this. On, on there, there is a, um, a statement of faith. And the first um, statement in the statement of faith, you probably can't read it from where you're sat. I can just about see it from here. Uh, it says, we believe the scripture of the Old and New Testament to be the inspired, there we go, let's start again from the beginning. We believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God. It is our final authority for faith, life, and for the governance of the church. Um, and, and it goes on. What does that mean? And uh, why is that even important? And why would I mention it? And why am I looking at a website and a preach? Or checking my phone during the worship? All of these are very good questions. And we'll get to some of them. Um, <laughs> who here has a Bible with them today? Like a, a, an analog Bible. If you've got an analog Bible with you, wave it above your head. Now, at times was, I, I mean, I grew up in the, in the 70s and 80s in church. And if you didn't carry a Bible to church, you weren't properly dressed. That's just the way it was, you know. Um, it's like, you know, a shirt, a tie, and a Bible. That was important. And these days we leave the shirt and the tie at home. And now it seems we often get to leaving our Bibles at home as well. And, of course, the thing is, I could say, who's got a Bible on their phone? Okay, let's wave the phones. Who's got a phone with a Bible on it? Okay, and so some of you are even looking at your phones now, and I trust that is the Bible, not Facebook. And, or maybe you're taking notes. I take notes on my Bible. My wife's always nudging me saying, Stop looking at your phone. I'm like, I'm taking notes. I'm not reading, I'm writing. Um, but it can, it can, uh, distractions. Steve was talking about distractions. You've got to be careful when you're taking notes on your phone that all the incoming messages don't distract you from what God's trying to say. There are no income messages in an analog Bible except the one that's printed in it. And so that is a bonus. But um, why, why do Christians make such a fuss about the Bible? I mean, maybe you're a Christian and you don't make a fuss about the Bible. Why should Christians make a fuss about the Bible? Well, the Bible's an amazing book. I'm going to start with just one verse outside of the Psalm 119, which is in Exodus. Did you know that some of the first words in the Bible were actually written by God with his own finger in stone. When the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant written by the finger of God. In other words, this book that we have here, parts of it were literally physically written by God himself. Everything else that wasn't physically written with his own hand was still breathed out by God, Timothy tells us. And so if you want to have a relationship with God, if you want to know God, if you want to follow God, if you want to in any way build your life around God and his way, this is where we start. 
But someone comes up at the front, they've got a word that you might have seen during the worship. Steve stood here, he's leading the meeting, and people are coming. Zoom, 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 zoom. People coming with a word of prophecy, a word of scripture, whatever it is. How do we know that what they're saying is accurate? Well, there's only one test. We test it against this. If someone comes up here and says, God hates you all and wants you to die, we test it against the word. So, and that's only some people. Because sometimes in the Bible, he did hate them all and want them to die. And, and sometimes people had to pray to God on the people's behalf. Moses had to do it quite a lot because the Israelites were terribly naughty. And so when they were being terribly naughty, Moses would stand before God and say, Don't kill them. Think of your reputation. You brought these guys out of Egypt. Are you now going to slaughter them in the desert? That's not going to look good. And Moses would talk like this with God. And so, so now when, when someone comes to the prophecy, we have to kind of judge it against the word. Like, what, what, what were they doing that caused God's anger to be poured out on them? Like, if that's not our situation, then maybe it's not a now word. <laughs> you know, you can prove anything from bits of the Bible. You just can't prove it all from the whole Bible. And so we have to be careful that we're not just reading little bits, little, little bits that we like. And often we're guilty of reading the little bits that are fun. Like, so I know a plan I have for you, says the Lord. It's going to be fantastic. And, um, but then there's also verses in the Bible that says, I know the plans I have for you. I'm going to wipe you out. <laughs> and no one puts that on a fridge magnet. But, um, but it's there. So you can prove anything from a bit of the Bible. You just can't prove it all if you look at the whole Bible. But in the Bible, bang in the middle here, in Psalms, Psalm 119, it's actually, there's a love song. And it's, it's an interesting thing, because it's a love song, and it's not a love song to God, and it's not a love song to a human person. It's actually a love song to the Bible itself. And what I want to do is I want to look through some of the passages in this love song. This song, it's actually one of those clever, the guys really put a lot of time into this. You know, like when you were, uh, well, maybe you didn't, Maybe you did when you're in high school and you liked a girl or you liked somebody, or, you know, you liked a guy or whatever, and, and then you'd sit down and write them a poem or something. The, yeah, yeah, limerick, yeah. The boy stood on the burning decks, his legs were all a quiver. Um, something about a liver. Um, that kind of, that's not the level of poetry we're dealing with here. Okay, this guy, he's taken every letter of the Hebrew alphabet and started a section with that letter. And every line in that section, Starts with the same. He, he's gone to a lot of trouble. Now, obviously, in our English translations, he doesn't read like that. So I'm letting you know. It's, it's genius. In the English translation, eh, it's okay. But it still makes amazing points about the Word of God. And that's what we're going to look at now. And I'm just going to rattle through a few of these little points. He, like I say, it's a hugely long chapter. Um, but he's he's making a lot of really good points so we're just going to dive in and if you are not in love with the word of God before we start this evening my prayer is that by the end of this evening you'll be thinking different about the Bible if you haven't read your Bible I pray that by the end of this evening you'll be going yeah I need to read my Bible not because it's some religious duty but because it's absolutely brilliant the Bible is genuinely amazing. And if you get it into your life, it's going to change your life. 
If you get it in your heart, it's going to change your heart. If you get it into your mind, it's going to change your mind. And the Bible encourages to be renewed by the renewing or transformed by the renewing of our mind that we would know what is the good and perfect, acceptable will of God. How do we do that? By getting this inside us. So let's look at the first one. We've all been in a situation where we don't know how to act. And um, Psalm 119, verses 5, 9, 11. I'll just read them. I'm reading through the, from the NLT version this evening, something I don't normally do. Um, but it's the New Living Translation. It's a great um, sort of thought-for-thought uh, thought translation. Um, it is an actual Bible translation. It's not a paraphrase. It is a translation, but it's very simple English. It's sort of easy-to-read English. And so that works for us this evening with the kids in. Um, he says, Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How can a young person stay pure? We've got some young people here. Who feels young? I see their hand, Dennis. I see their hand. <laughs> Come on. I, I saw some people talking the other day. They said, no, when you look in the mirror, how old is the person? They said, it's always 35. Everyone, I mean, some of you haven't got there yet. But once you get to 35, it's always a 35-year-old in the mirror. Um, even if you don't feel young, how do we get to a point where our actions consistently reflect the decrees of God by hiding his word in our heart? That means memorizing it. That means literally taking chunks of the Bible and getting it inside us. So if someone pokes us, the thing that comes out is the Bible. That's something that's not very fashionable anymore. It's not a fan. And some of these things, it's sad because they come in fads and there's these like trends like Bible verse memorization or whatever. But the point is, hiding the word in your heart is going to stop you from sinning against God. Because it's going to add to the voice of your conscience something of truth. And where your conscience might have let you get away with it, the word won't. And so we train our conscience. Yeah, we each have a natural conscience that has a sort of a natural sense of right and wrong. That's just nature. We're born with something like that in us still because it's left over from that we were made in the image of God. But it's not perfect. And, and most of us sin horrendously a lot of the time. But then we hide God's word in our heart and it begins to correct us. It begins to tune us. It begins to tell us, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And you want that voice. You really, really want that voice. The reason being, doing the thing against that voice is what takes us to hell. So if we're going to live a life where we just sin and sin and please ourselves, we go to hell. You might have fun now. You're not going to have fun later. But that voice that says, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's something that's doing us a favor. It's keeping us on a path that leads to a good meeting with God. We all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, all of us. But some of us stand there knowing that Jesus has washed us clean and that we've walked in the righteousness he gave us. Others stand there going, I thought I was doing all right. <laughs> and that's not as good a place to be. Um, the word of God will keep us from worthless things. So, um, still 119 verses um, 35 uh, to 37 says, 
make me walk along the path of your commandments, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. So there's things here which just don't make sense. (laughs) Eagerness for your law instead of a love of money. Since when were those opposites? Apparently they are. At least in this psalmist's mind, as he looks at life, he looks at those around him, he sees what people are doing. He says, there's a path that I need to be walking on. It's not the path that's fueled by a love of money. Because I can see what that does to people. When they're after money, and don't think being in love with money is a new thing. People have been in love with money for as long as there's been money. Back when it was cowrie shells and, and beads and stuff, they were still in love with it. That's why it's money. That's why it works. People need it. They want it. They gotta have it. Ah, oh, my precious. Um, he says, that's not the path. That's not the path for me. Rather give me an eagerness for your laws. And turn my eyes from worthless things. Who here this week has encountered a worthless thing? It may have been a meme on someone's status. It may have been a newspaper article you didn't need to read in a gossip column. It might have been something about the Oscars. Um, These worthless things, things that do not bring any eternal worth, the Word of God will keep our eyes from those things. It will keep our eyes on things that matter. It will give us life. There will be life because of his word. And that's an amazing thing. Did you know that we can encounter the love of God through the Bible? Through the Bible. Verses 41 and 43. It says, Lord, give me your unfailing love. The salvation that you promised me. Do not snatch your word of truth from me. For your regulations are my only hope. Now I love this language because it's so different to what we're used to hearing. Like we're used to the knight in shining armor being our only hope. Or Luke Skywalker or Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Um, We're used to some kind of knightly or saintly figure being our only hope. And here the word is almost like bureaucratic it's like your regulations are my only hope who here works in health and safety <laughs> anyone it used to be my job as one there was one or two folks it used to be my job so a, a previous church i worked in i was in charge of reprographics and doing printing and vinyl cutting and sign writing and one of my jobs was to make sure all the signs above the doors you know the exit signs and the signs that show where the fire hydrants are and i have to do all that When you're in an emergency, the fact that someone kept to the regulations will be your only hope. (laughs) When there's smoke in the room and you need an illuminated exit sign, you will be glad someone stuck to the regulations. When you're in an aeroplane and there's smoke filling the cabin and those little beep, 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 those lights come up on the floor because the smoke has filled the top of the cabin, but you can see the floor of the bottom. You'll be glad someone's regulations were followed. And it's the same with the Word of God. When we find ourselves in a tight spot, when something's all going downhill, 
It's his regulations and the following of his regulations that actually gives us hope. It's not that we go, well, you know, we had a good run. No, not every disaster has to end in disaster. I look at Noah. He was in a disaster, ended very well for him because he kept to the law of God. He was a righteous man in his generation. There were thousands others not like him. Their disaster ended in disaster. But for Noah, the disaster ended in a safe landing, in a vineyard, in a new homestead, in a start over. You see, how your disaster ends is entirely to do with the regulations of God and whether we've hidden those things in our heart so that as we're going through life's ups and downs, we actually have something that gives us hope. Your insurance, your pension, those things actually can't give you hope. The more you read the news, the less hope they give you. Uh, More than one person I've met in the last short while Everything they've worked for, their whole life, and they've been responsible people, godly people, it's been wiped out. And you go, wow. Okay, so doing everything right by the world's way, that isn't hope. But doing everything right by God's way. And how do we know what's God's way? It's the Bible. It's the Bible that keeps us there and helps us know what's going on. It's better than gold. Verses 68 and 72 to 73. You are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. Your instructions, that, those regulations they were talking about, your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. You made me. You created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. <laughs> yeah, Lord, but I'm praying for a brain, just like the scarecrow in, in <laughs> over the rainbow. I'm like, I, I need the sense, Lord, to follow your commands because, let's admit it, sometimes we're stupid, yeah? I mean, I've been super stupid sometimes. I made some really silly mistakes. And the craziest thing is, people will tell you you're wise and you're capable of being wise for other people, but then all of that wisdom, just like Solomon, with his hundreds of wives and concubines, he had all this wisdom for other people. When it came to his own life, he was just stupid. And I've, I've had that. I've sat counseling other people and telling them all the good things to do and helping them follow Jesus. And then myself... Just walk out and trip over my own feet and fall into something stupid that I just shouldn't have had in my life. We, we are easily able to... And so he prays, he says, Lord, give me the sense. Give me the sense to follow your commands. That's all it takes. Just a little bit of wisdom. Just a little bit of, yeah, yeah keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, that's what we need. It's better than gold. The gold you can't take with you. The life you live in God is storing up treasure in heaven of eternal value, of eternal worth. Remarkable, remarkable treasure. It's our rescue. Verses 81 and 82 says, I'm worn out waiting for your rescue, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes are straining to see your promises come true. When will you comfort me? Who who sometimes felt like that? Felt like, actually, I'm worn out with waiting. And yet, I still have hope. You see, 
Have you ever been on the telephone and they say, your call is important to us? That little phrase will give you hope for a moment. But when you've been on hold for 45 minutes, you start to doubt that your call is important to them. In fact, you kind of think, man, if I was that important, you'd pay for better music. It's like, really? This call is not important to you. You're just taking my money and taking me for a ride. Come on. But with God, if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And so even while we're waiting, even while we're worn out waiting for rescue, there's hope in his word. But only if we know his word. You can't just sleep with it under your pillow. There's hope in the word, and so I rest in your word. I rest on the promises you've given me. No, 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 that's not what that means. That's not what that means. To rest on the promise is to have the promise inside you, and it brings you to a place of rest where you're not worn out, where you're not anxious, because you know that you know that you know that you know that you know the God who spoke is faithful, and he will do it. That's what it means to have hope in the word. And that's amazing. He talks about moments of despair in 91 and 93. He says, if your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. I will never forget your commandments, for by them you give me life. Who remembers a moment in their life where they thought that all the instructions they'd just been given were a little bit stifling? Like maybe at school and they said all the things you couldn't do. Or maybe, you know, on, an, on a school outing and you wanted to go and have fun. And be like, bleh, 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 stay in line, hold hands, be a crocodile, you know, like. Or maybe at work. And, you know, like, you're not supposed to do this. But it would be kind of cool if we could. No, no, you're not supposed to. Who here has found commandments and instructions life-giving? In our general life, not always, though they can be if we have the right attitude towards them. Here he says, I will never forget your commandments, for by them you give me life. In other words, doing what God has said is actually a source of life to us. That's amazing. And he says, if your instructions hadn't sustained me, I would have died in my misery. I don't know who here can like, say they've experienced that. I know in my life there was times where I'm generally I'm a pretty happy sort of person. There were times where I'd have been quite happy to have been run over by a bus. I wasn't thinking suicidal thoughts. I wasn't thinking like I wanted to end it. But I was thinking like if someone else ended it, they'd probably be doing everyone a favor. You know, it's a dark space you get to. When you're so disappointed with yourself and you're so fearful of what the future holds and you just don't know if you've got the energy or the strength to even try. That despair. Yeah, you could die in that despair. But with the instructions of the Lord hidden in your heart, something starts to come alive again and you can move from that place of despair 
into a place of hope because his commandments actually give us life. We spoke about wisdom before and in, in verses 98, 99 and, and 103, he kind of brings this thing back again. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. This is an amazing love song to the word of God. He's saying literally, when I take hold of the word of God and put it into myself, it's sweeter than honey. You say, but it's telling you all the things you can't do. I mean, like, isn't the Bible just a spoil sport? No, not if you understand it. Not if you understand it, but actually the rules, the commandments, the instructions, the regulations, all these hefty sounding words that have been used, these things for our good. They're for our joy and they're to bring us life. And you can try and find life in other ways, but it will always bite you. But God won't. He's going to bring that thing to a place of joy, to a place of rest, to a place of hope. And that's amazing. Probably the most famous verse in this whole chapter is um, verse 105. It says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Going on verses 109, 110. My life constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your instructions. The wicked have set their traps for me, but I will not turn from your commandments. I was listening to, um, my brother's busy writing a book and he sent me a copy and I was listening to it on the way here. Just, he's asked me to proofread it. It's not out yet. But um, he makes, he made a, a comment about Psalm 119, which I thought was interesting. Um, And this verse particular where it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet. And the point was this, that the word doesn't deny the darkness, it shines in it. That's very interesting. Actually, as an insight into how we are supposed to engage with life, how do we engage with the world that we're in? We don't deny the darkness, we shine in it. And that's what the word does in our hearts. It doesn't deny that there's dark thoughts in us, dark desires in us. It doesn't deny that there are dark things inside us that we never want anyone to know are there. But if we allow the light of God to shine in our hearts, that brings us into another place. We could be walking a path and literally people are setting traps on that path. But because this light is shining on the path, We can step over that trap, we can duck under that trap, we can avoid that trap, and we can keep going. And we don't have to fall into the traps. Now, if we don't put the word in our heart, we are blundering through life, blindfold, in the dark. 
And, it, and maybe we get as far as praying, Lord, deliver us not into temptation, but there's a, whoa, there goes temptation. Whoa, why did we fall for it? We just prayed to not, well, yeah, but he said the way to not fall for temptation is to hide the word of God in our heart so we won't sin against him. So we can't pray the one thing and do the other. Our life and our choices have to match up with the thing we pray. When we pray, don't deliver me into temptation. We then have to make sure the blindfold's off and the lamp is on. Then we can walk. And we can avoid the trap. And we can tiptoe around the big pit with the spikes in the bottom, like some Indiana Jones movie, you know. We can get around those moments because of this lamp. 114, 115, you are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. Get out of my life, you evil-minded people. For I intend to obey the commands of my God. Yo. He's not kidding. He's not messing around. He's not one foot in the world, one foot in the Bible. He's going, get out of my life. Out of my life. And sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we just have to cut something off. You know, people often talk about when Jesus said, no, if your eye causes you sin, take it out. If your hand causes you sin, cut it off. And they go, this is hyperbole. This is Jesus overstating the thing to make a point. I don't know if that's true. All I know is, if your hand causes you to sin, you cut it off. You're not going to sin like that again. (laughs) If your eye causes you to sin, you pluck it out. You're not going to sin like that again. It's definitely effective. I'm not saying you should do it. I, I think there's possibly other ways. But what Jesus is doing is he's stating how seriously he regards things that are going to separate you from the Father. Things that's going to break down your ability to have communion with God and and walk with him. And so the word of God is all these things. It's a shield. It's a source of hope. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a source of wisdom. It frees us from despair. It rescues us. It's better than gold. It's a way that we can encounter the love of God. It keeps us from worthless things. It teaches us how to act. Now, what does it mean then for us practically? Well, like you see, I brought an analog Bible today. Um, It says on the front, do not iron print. On the side there it says, take with or after meals. Um, What does it mean to get the word of God inside us? It means we read it. And there's some really practical ways that you can start to read the Bible. I don't, I'm not going to ask who hasn't read the Bible here. I'm just going to ask who has. Um, <laughs> I don't want to embarrass anyone. Um, no, but seriously, if you're, if you're reading the Bible every day, just give me a wave. That's decent. That's, that's a few of us. It's not all of us. Did you know there's it's even apps on your phone? So Even if you didn't have an analog Bible, I encourage you to get one of these. Like, you know, these work... Even when the power's off, these these work. Even when you're not in cell phone signal, these work the whole time, all the time. They work. They're fantastic. But if you say, for example, wanted to have something on your phone, there's apps. There's this this U version app, and if you don't know where to start, you could just open it up and you could just click on something and you could find a bit of the Bible. You just start reading it. It'll even read it for you out loud. Let's see. 
see what happens here. Boom. Chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible... It's not too bad, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least do everything 1.5, yeah. <laughs> Some translations you can listen to at two times speed, but it's, it's tricky. Uh, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with the accent, it can be hard. The point I'm making is, if you want to read the Bible, you can. So want to. Like that guy said in the psalm, Lord, give me the sense to want to read the Bible. Give me the sense to want to read it. I know it's good for me. I know it's going to help me. I know it's life to all who find it. I know it's hope for my soul. I know it's rescue. I know it's an encounter with the love of God. I know it's a light to my feet and a guide for my path. So give me the sense to want to read it. And that should be our prayer. And it may be you are reading the word of God, and it's not been those things to you, then just pray. Say, God, as I read the word, make it life to me. Make it love to me. Make it hope to me. Let it breathe into me something beyond myself that I can encounter you in a fresh way by reading the word. Practically, for me, what does this look like? It means I normally get up before everyone else in the house. I go and I sit in the lounge, normally in the same chair every morning, I don't look pretty at that time in the morning. I mean, some folks might think I don't look pretty now either, but particularly bad at that time in the morning. I got my phone there. My vision's blurry at that time. I find the passage I'm reading, and often I just hit the read it for me button, and I'm listening. Because you don't get extra points for reading it yourself. I mean, just listening is also good. And I expose myself to the Word of God. Sometimes something jumps out at me and I read that again and then I switch off the person talking because they're going to keep going and I want to stay there. And I look at that again, I look at that again. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes two, three days can go by and all I've done is read the Bible. That, that was it. It wasn't like there was any amazing moment. But then on that fourth morning, maybe a verse speaks to me. And I just go... That reminds me of that thing that that guy said. Or that reminds me of that situation I'm having to sort out. Or that reminds me of something God said to me once. And it'll bring hope. Or it'll be reminding me of a promise. Or it'll be just exciting to think that God is like that. I don't necessarily fall over and... (laughs) Some people might. That hasn't been in my experience. But what I do know is... When I do that, it's harder to sin. When I do that, it's easier to think like God would think. It's just, it is. When I hide his word in my heart, when I try and take it on board every morning, and honestly, I don't feel like it every morning. I don't. But I do it. And it's beginning to really change me in a big way. So the way I think will be different. The way I consider stuff is different. The way I talk will be different. And I haven't always done it in my Christian life. But sometimes I was like, ah, it's good. You know, me and God, we're tight. We're good. 
But the point was, actually having a time where you invest in the Word of God is good. Because otherwise, how do I know when I'm hearing God that it's actually God? I've got nothing to test it against. How do I know when I hear a sermon or preach or read something on the internet that I know it's right if I haven't got the Word of God inside of me? And so, yes, we need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is wonderful. He is God. And when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, one of his jobs is to bring revelation to us through the Word. But we're never going to hear something that was actually God that contradicts the Word. And so this is our plumb line. This is our safety. This is our security. In all that God says, in all that God does, we're going to find it in here. We're going to see it in here. And so it's life for us. So I want to give us the opportunity this, this evening. Maybe you do read the Word, but you haven't found it to be life and love and hope and joy. Well, then let's pray for you, that that would be a change in your experience. And that as you read the Word of God, you would find it to be life and love and hope and joy. Maybe you haven't been reading the Bible. And I would say this is something to do every day. You know, not to make a religion of it. (laughs) We followed Jesus, but he gave us the Word. And so we, we, we do want to be getting into the Bible every day. You don't want to get all your Bible secondhand. If the only time you hear the Bible is when someone like me is preaching, you're doing it wrong. Okay, You want to be getting some of it for yourself. And if you're doing that every day, that's a really good place to start. You don't have to read the whole thing in one sitting, although you can in about 72 hours finish the whole thing. Um, but no, I mean, just read a bit. And if you want to know where to start, if you've not done anything in the Bible yet, I would start with the book of Mark. It's, it's like the tabloid gospel. It's short and punchy and to the point. It gets to all the good bits without all the other stuff. No heavy lists of names and things like some of the other Gospels. Start in the book of Mark. If you've already read Mark, go to John. If you've already read John, then ask Jesus. <laughs> you can read Acts. That's also good. But if you've not been reading the Bible, then I would love to pray with you this evening. And the prayer I'm going to pray for you is, Lord, give me the sense... To want to read your word. That's, that's where we need to be. We need to say, God, give me the sense. This thing is life. Why would I not want to read it? Give me the sense to read it. It may be you're here this evening. You don't even know God. Uh, um, you may be here just because someone invited you and you're polite. And maybe you're here because you're interested in God or something like that. I'd love to pray with you this evening, introduce you to God, and just have a moment to pray with you. And you could ask God to make himself real to you. And you could begin a journey with him, a life with him, where his word would be alive to you in the way I've been describing this evening. So let's close our eyes. I'm going to start with the last one I mentioned. If you're here this evening and you don't know Jesus... I would love to pray with you this evening. If you say, I don't know Jesus, but I would like to get to know him, then I'd love you just to raise your hand where you are. I would love to pray with you. Is there anyone here you say, that's me this evening? Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else you say, I would like to get to know Jesus this evening? James, do you want to jump in there?
I'm going to pray a prayer with this gentleman. I'd love you guys to join in with us. And this is just a prayer to start on a road of serving Jesus and inviting him to make a difference in our lives. So let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, I thank you. You want to give me life. You chose to do that by sending your son to die for me. I receive Jesus. I thank you for him. I pray that you would make yourself real to me and I could begin to live for you and with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, prayer like that doesn't get you saved, but I trust that the guys who are with him are going to be able to lead him through properly into a decent place of knowing Jesus and, and starting that journey. For the rest of us here, like I said, we might fall into two different camps. We might be those who do read the word already, and it's life to us. That's cool. But maybe it's not life. If you've struggled to, to get stuck into the word in a way that really feels like it's making a difference, I'd love to pray with you this evening. Pray in faith that God would bring life and hope through his word into your life. And then, like I said, it could be that you've not been getting stuck into the Bible in the way that those who love Jesus really should. We, we should be people who love the Bible and want to get stuck into it. And so I don't want to make that heavy. That's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is to make you excited for the word of God. It really is life. It really is all that it promises to be. And so if you don't have that excitement to read the Bible, then I'd love to pray with you this evening. And let's pray together. Lord, give me the sense to want to read your word. Give me the sense to want to dig into the Bible and love it for all that's in it. And so I would love us just to pray that together. You know who you are. And I'm not going to do a show of hands. We don't need to um, go further with that. I think you know who you are. And you know which one of these two prayers you're praying for yourself. But I'm going to pray this stuff. And um, you join your heart with these prayers. And let's devote ourselves to the word. Let's hide his word in our hearts so we won't sin against him. And so that all of the goodness and the promises that are in his word can flow towards us and through us into others too. Amen? Okay. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you. you. It is life to those who find it. It is strength to our bodies. It is hope. It is love. It is joy. It is peace and rest. And so, Father, I pray for each of us. Lord, firstly, give us the sense to desire your word. Give us the sense to seek after reading your word and hearing your word and hiding your word in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would also, as we read, make it alive to us. By your Holy Spirit, you would make your word alive. That as we read, there would be something we read that would speak to us each day. The Father, as we're reading, we would hear your voice. As we're reading, we would know your Holy Spirit prompting us, convicting us, encouraging us, putting hope into us, making promises to us that we would have a living relationship with the Word of God, not a dead one. Not that we just read it because we must, but we'd read it because we really want to, because we find such joy in it. And Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. I'm going to hand back to Steve, who 